Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening from Gotham City is Todd Quarter and our fabulous producer Wayne up in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. Again, you can find us at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a like, a subscribe, a review, however you want to do it. That's the business side of things. Let's get to our personals. Uh, I'm at JJ Get You One on Twitter, RWY Junior for our fabulous producer Wayne and Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter. He's joining us again from Gotham City. And I'll start off with you, TC. How you doing up there, man? Just outside of Gotham City, <laughs> uh, not too far away. Just far enough away. From all the big city hoopla, I'm here broadcasting a hockey tournament starting tomorrow on Hockey TV through Sunday. Looking forward to it. I'm yeah. also the voice of Clayton State basketball, men's and women's. Yep. And I cannot wait to resume those duties when I come back to Atlanta. The Clayton State women just upset North Georgia, who was ranked 11th. In D2. So it's a good and a good thing for the Clayton State women. Uh, they've improved uh, greatly in the last five or six games. See if they can keep it up and make some noise in the Peach Belt Conference Tournament. Hopefully, they'll be one of the top four teams in that conference and they will get a home game because uh, they don't just go to one site. They top four host and the bottom four travel. Well, let's hope Clayton State pulls it off. Wayne, how you doing this evening, my friend? Well, we uh, Memphis Tigers wrapped up another win against Tulane Green Wave and probably one of the most uh, active coaches in the uh, conference, uh, the coach for Tulane. Uh, he really likes to be on the court. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, and uh, Major League Baseball is doing pretty good, according to Commissioner Rob Manfred. We could be playing baseball. In a timely manner, he says nothing could be affected. We'll see about that. But it's going to move forward with the universal DH. So I can truthfully say I saw the second-to-last true National League baseball game in Game 4 of the World Series. TC, quick thought on the universal DH being brought over to the National League. Can't stand it, but we all knew it was coming, without a doubt. This year... This stuff is, is, is all preliminary. They'll knock this out. The biggest issue is, can they come to a financial agreement between the millionaires and the billionaires? And can the season start on time? And according to Rob Manfred, uh, the commissioner of baseball, Manfred, excuse me, the commissioner of baseball, if they don't, it can become disastrous to me. I don't think it's disastrous. If they don't start on time, they can they can have double headers and make it up. But from a public relations standpoint, yes, it, it, it could be a disaster. But in terms of playing baseball, no, because during a we've had a pandemic for two years, you're sending the message to people out there who are hardworking that want to see baseball, that you guys can't get your financial act together and start the season on time, that would send a negative note. But then again, every time it's happened in history, the game is recovered. 
And if it happens again, the game will recover because there are diehard fans out there. You will lose the older fan base potentially, but the younger fan base will continue to come back. Yeah. Well, yeah. welcome to welcome to modern baseball. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like it. You, you, Major League Baseball talks about wanting to shorten games to get more fans at a younger level. Uh, that's not going to do it. You're just going to have longer and longer games. What's on tap for today's show? We will talk Super Bowl 56. It's our Super Bowl preview here on ATL Prime Sports. And we're going to get into will Freddie Freeman be a brave next season? All this and more right here on ATL Prime Sports. Let's go hey, ahead and hey, kick hey, it hey, off. Hey, can we stop you for one second in regards to you mentioned that you made an excellent point about the games being longer. There's no question about it with the dh the games will be longer you're going to see more offense but more importantly tradition of baseball is going to go away the double switches all the strategy when do you pull a pitcher when do you bring in a pitch hitter uh i mean all that's going to go out the window and it's a shame from a major league baseball tradition standpoint i saw something on twitter today that you might be impressed with you know, now that there's no difference between the AL and the NL, will they just go to conferences now and change it up? I mean, you've gone this far. There is no separation from the leagues. What's next? Yeah, let's uh, go back. We're talking Super Bowl 56 it is this Sunday. Let's go over some storylines, some keys to the game. Um, look. We will go into all of it. It's our Super Bowl 56 preview, but we can't move forward talking Super Bowl without the big anniversary of the 28-3 comeback, which would be five years last Sunday. Um, guys, let's look back at that game. Was this the best Super Bowl game ever? And who had the better catch, Elderman or Jones? TC, we'll start with you, man. Julian Edelman with... Without a doubt, I know there was some luck involved, but there sure was a hell of a lot of skill staying with the football with guys draped all over him. And without that catch, New England doesn't win the game. Is it the greatest football game ever or even the greatest Super Bowl ever? No, but it's the greatest comeback ever. And considering it was the Super Bowl, it's the greatest comeback ever in the Super Bowl and maybe the greatest comeback ever in the National Football League. And that is something that will haunt Falcon fans, unfortunately, for years to come. Wayne, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first and then I'll throw it to you. And it has to be one of the best Super Bowls ever. I mean, you mentioned it. It was the greatest comeback ever. And, and, and almost... If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the biggest comeback effort in pro championship sports history in a championship game. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. It has to be up there as one of the best. As for the catch, it's got to be Julio. Got to be Julio. His was way more difficult because it was a sideline toe-tapping catch over the defensive back, perfectly placed ball. As Todd mentioned it, Julian Elderman's was a bunch of luck. That takes away from the catch, if you ask me. And look, here we go. Before you cut me off like you always do. No, I just if said the Falcons just three run the ball three times, Julian Edelman's catch doesn't even happen. Doesn't even happen. So, hey, look, no one's the better catch. 
There's no <laughs> right or wrong answer here. There really no, is not. I said there was a little bit of luck. If you're going to quote me, quote me, quote me spot on. I said it was a little bit of luck. There was luck, <laughs> luck involved. Julio's catch was spectacular, no doubt. But the circumstances where New England was way behind in the game for Edelman to make that clutch play, I give the odd the nod to Edelman. I'm just teasing you. Wayne, what are your thoughts, man? Was you. that the greatest Super Bowl? And who's got the better catch, Jones or Julian? Yeah, well, I don't really remember that Super Bowl too much. I do remember that the Falcons were <laughs> NFC champions, and that's about all I remember. Well, oh, that's you all you poor, remember. You poor gullible you-know-what. <laughs> Well, let's move on. We'll go to our second uh, little topic here. If Joe Burrow wins this Super Bowl, will this be the best sophomore season an NFL quarterback has ever had? I'm teeing this one off. I'm going to go out and boldly say yes, without a doubt. It will be the greatest sophomore season a quarterback has ever had. Coming back from injury, uh, we already mentioned it tied for the, the quickest turnaround from worst to first. To Super Bowl. I believe it tied the Rams from 99 to 2000 when they played here in Atlanta. Um, and look, he will be the first number one overall pick to lead his team to the Super Bowl in just two seasons. He will also be the first player if he wins the Super Bowl. We're saying if he wins, and remember folks, the Simpsons did predict this. So the Simpsons are predicting 34-31 over the Rams. If that happens, he'll be the first player to win the Heisman the national championship, and the Super Bowl ever. And to me, that defines the absolute best sophomore season a player could ever have. I'll throw it to the field. Interesting that you said sophomore field, and yet you said he's the first player to win the Heisman, the national title, and the Super Bowl. That has zero to do with his sophomore year in terms of who's having the greatest sophomore year. There's no right or wrong answer again, but you better go back and look at Dan Marino back in 1984, slinging it all over the yard. He's the one that I think really started this, this huge passing NFL that is still here today. Dan Fouts for San Diego, a gunslinger like Marino. Marino's season was spectacular. Uh, he carried the Dolphins without a running game that year. Um, I mean, look, you're you're arguing orange and apple, oranges and apples here, but if 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 he does win it, Joe Burrow does. All the people are going to say because they're a prisoner of the moment that that was the best one. But there have been several other ones, but that would be right up there without a doubt. Wayne, your thoughts? Would it be the best sophomore season ever by an NFL quarterback? Well, you know, I'm I'm from Alabama, so I get a lot of uh, people from Alabama in my ear, and they always remind me of Joe Namath. And I know Joe Namath got in the NFL in 65 and didn't appear in the Super Bowl till 68, but 68 was his second year that he played. He started every game, every well, back then it was 14 games. And so technically people from Alabama would say that Joe Namath is the best sophomore quarterback. Hey, I wouldn't argue it. As TC said, there is no wrong answer. Final thought, Todd? I like, I, you know what? That's 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 digging a little bit back in time. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, 
I mean, look at Kurt Warner with the Rams. That yeah. really wasn't his sophomore year. I mean, it was kind of his freshman year when you think about it. He really hadn't played a whole lot. And then he took, you know, the Rams to the Super Bowl. They beat the Titans here in Atlanta at the, uh, the old Georgia Dome. Um, there's, I like the uh, name and answer. He's just been in the league longer. Yeah. Look at Tom Brady. I mean, honestly, it was his sophomore season. He didn't, he didn't really play much as a quote-unquote freshman season. But in 2001, that was his sophomore uh, or was that his freshman year? Um, let me think. They won the Roll Orange Bowl, ninety nine two thousand. So yeah, that would have been um, that would have been his second year. He did you know the first year. So yeah, um, lots 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 of good answers out there. I'm just making the point that no player would ever do what Joe Burrow has done. If we're saying he wins the Super Bowl, no right. player would ever have done that in a quicker amount of time. Nor no player would ever win the national championship, the Heisman, and the Super Bowl. Cam Newton was this close. Cam you Newton was this close. that you mentioned that because it would be quite a feat if Joe Burrow did it. I mean, golly. I mean, you know, the Bengals, we'll, we'll get into the Bengals later uh, about the club. But the Bengals, to me, they remind me of the 2001 Patriots. Guys, yeah. moving on to another great quarterback, Tom Brady. Said he was going to retire last week. We're coming back on this week, and there's question marks already flying. Uh, will Tom Brady really retire? Todd, I want to hear your answer first. We'll, we'll we'll start with you out the gates on this one. I have no unearthly clue what he's going to do, nor does any other sports writer out there. He left it, or, or any media person, whether in the news, the sports, they're doing the weather. Uh, Nobody knows nothing. Only his family will know in time. I think he jumped the gun personally and said he was going to retire early because he came out days later and said, never say never. And I'm thinking, wow, that means he already has second thoughts, which means to me, if the situation is right, He'll come back. I'm just guessing. Now, what I mean by situation is Tampa Bay is up against the cap. It's going to be real tough for them to win next year. They've got a lot of players under contract. They're going to have changes. The San Francisco 49ers, Tom Brady's childhood team. He saw the NFC Championship game when Joe Montana threw the ball to Dwight Clark in the corner of the end zone for San Francisco to go to their first Super Bowl when they beat Dallas and they defeated Cincinnati, ironically. So, the San Francisco 49ers are ready to go. They've got good O-line, D-line, excellent defense, good offensive line, even though it really showed that great against the Rams and their magical D-line. They have good running backs. All they need is a top-notch quarterback and they have the money. And Shanahan is the coach in San Francisco. I could see Tom Brady playing for the 49ers. I could. They'd have to work something out. He has one year left in his contract with Tampa. But see, Tampa's building for the future. They can get draft picks and let Tom Brady go. 
Yeah, they would have to trade him. Remember, Tom Brady is under contract, like you said, for one more year. I, I think he will retire. I think he is done. I, I think he's having some fun with this. I, I don't think this is a Brett Favre type situation. I think Tom Brady is going to either retire and ride off into the sunset, or he'll let you know in a couple weeks and come back. But I think he is done. That's my personal opinion. Um, but look, there's reports out there already. Sports Illustrated NFL reporter Albert Breer said Wednesday on the Rich Eisen show, he believes if Brady comes back, it's like Todd said, it's with another team. And I'll quote, I think there was some level of, I think Brady loves the guys he worked with. Okay, loves Jason Light, uh, loves Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich. I think there were little things that frustrated him there. Having come from a tightened up organization for 20 years with the Patriots, uh, perfect situationally, that uh, that knows how to handle things. This is uh, this is so buttoned down and businesslike. You know that's how where he came from, and this is all coming again from Albert Breer, SI NFL reporter. I think the the handling of the situation of Antonio Brown. Uh, started to get, you know, under his skin a little bit. I think all that had something to do with it. And I think that's why if he does play, I'm with you, Todd. I think it's in another uniform. But I'm under the impression I think he's going to call it quits. I think his family wants him to retire, especially his wife. I think she's tired of seeing him hit. Um, And that's all I got. Wayne, let's hear your thoughts. Well, I think uh, he is going to be now in a new type of Hall of Fame along with Brett Favre, the Rolling Stones, and the Who for the most retirements without retiring. Hey, <laughs> so you think he's coming back? That was an excellent analogy there. So you do think he's coming back? Yeah. You know, gut, gut feeling tells me he's playing. If he would have won it all, I think he would be done. Peyton Manning won it all his last game. John Elway. Won it all his last game. I think Tom Brady wants to win number eight, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there. I, I will say this: NFL's version of slap shot with Antonio Brown doing everything but taking his jock off in the in the end in the end zone there, it, it, where the New York Jets play in New Jersey, just up the road from here. Um, Wow, I mean, hey, hey I've got a, I've got a Sorry. comment on, the, I've got a comment on this slap shot. Yeah. You keep bringing up the slap shot movie. How come you never talk about the Hanson brothers? I'm, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up. You know why? I've got a story about the Hans brothers. My wife's uh, cousin's husband played for the Hanson brothers in Johnstown with the old Johnstown Chiefs, and he, and uh, you know what? The Handsome Brothers in that movie, Paul Newman was in the movie. Yeah. You know, the carrying the trophy with her jock. I mean, you know, Antonio Brown, he would have just grabbed the football and did this in his jock. It would have been close enough to slap shot for me. I mean, they got all, it got everything else but the jock. Um, but in terms of Tom Brady uh, staying or going, I think he had a fabulous time in Tampa and really enjoyed uh, the situation uh, all together. I know that he, he, he bought a lot of stock, Tom Brady did, because he's the one that fought for him, come to Tampa, and he stayed with him at Tampa. 
And that part, JJ, you may be right about it, probably did frustrate him. But look, there aren't too many organizations that are as buttoned down as the Patriots. And if Tom Brady has a chance to go somewhere else and win again and play for a third team, that's when you go, maybe he won't. But then again, the 49ers was his childhood team. Yeah, I, I like that point about the 49ers being his childhood team. Guys, let's get to the keys of Super Bowl 56, the big game this weekend. Um, I'll go on, and you guys just kind of piggyback from here. I think, obviously, the big one, uh, we'll all talk about it. It'll get beat to a dead horse with every sports show, but you got to talk about it. It's the Bengals O-line versus the Rams D-line. The Bengals have to protect Joe Burrow. Sacked 12 times this postseason. And the Los Angeles Rams have the best pass rush and run stop rates this season in the NFL. That is my biggest key to this game, as it is in most NFL games. But Aaron Donald and this Vaughn Miller edge rush is really tough to stop. And if Burrow's head's not on a swivel um, and he's not... Moving inside the pocket extremely well, extending plays. This could be a long night for the Bengals. That may have foreshadowed my pick. That's my first key to the game. Uh, Todd, you want to piggyback off it or Wayne? I'll throw it to the field. I'll go to the other side of the line of scrimmage. I think the Bengals' defensive line against the Rams' offensive line is a huge key. Nobody talks about that Cincinnati defensive line who had 42 sacks during the season. They were able to get after the quarterback and the adjustments that their coaching staff made in the second half against Patrick Mahomes and also the second half against Tennessee and Oakland for, for, were phenomenal. The adjustment they made against uh, Patrick Mahomes is they only rushed three, dropped eight. Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, kept his vision in the pocket so he couldn't roll out where he's really dangerous and covered eight, and they were still able to get to Mahomes. They sacked him twice and pressured him several times. Uh, that leads to my second key, if, I, if, if you don't mind if I say it now. Go ahead. Cincinnati is not turning the football over. Every other team is turning the football over, including Matt Stafford and the Rams, and had the 49ers caught that list last interception, we would be talking about the 49ers playing the Bengals for the third time in Super Bowl history. Yes, we Those would. Those are my two keys to the game right there. Wayne, yeah, you got a quick one? Yeah, well, uh, Todd just kind of mentioned it. Um, I really think that the game is going to come down to turnovers, and uh, Ghost from the past will come to visit Matt Stafford, and I think he's going to be the one turning the ball over the most. I almost can't argue with that point. Yeah, it's it, it's it's going to be a great key. Another key I have, a fun key for me, is a star-studded Rams team. Odell Beckham Jr., Vaughn Miller, even Eric Weedle came out of retirement. All required acquired mid-season. Will the stars align? Will the stars align and get this team a Super Bowl? And could this be a new trend for NFL teams moving forward? That's my key. Do the stars align, Todd? And that, I'll ask you guys what, this. That's a hell of a point you just made. The Rams, their chips are already to the middle of the table. They went all Vegas. They went all in. 
Sorry, just to piggyback no, on your point, right? they threw away first-round draft picks to get Stafford, OBJ, and Von Miller. They don't have a first-round draft pick uh, for, for two-plus seasons. I think it's two years. So, uh, sorry to cut you off, man. Go back. No, I'm glad you mentioned it because the chips are all in. They are going for it. It's either seven when they roll the dice or it's nothing. And to me, all the pressure is on the Rams in this game because if they don't get it and the Bengals do, then the Rams are going to go, man, we're going to have to come back next year and try it again. Uh, you know, when you when you go about this way, JJ, eventually the cap is going to bite you in the mm -hmm. butt. It just is. The money, the time, the loan is due soon. And if they don't get the Super Bowl before the loan is due from the from the NFL bank, your window is closed. About it. Yeah, your window is closed. So to answer the second part of that question, I think you just nailed it on the head there. I don't think this will be a new trend is what I was saying. I, I don't see trend, uh, teams trending with this star-studded alignment moving forward because, just like you said, the cap space is going to be huge when all those star-studded contracts do indeed end. Wayne, your thoughts on that real quick. Well, you know, baseball has been doing it for years, and in some ways uh, motorsports have been doing it where they'll start aligning teams to line up with, uh, you know, at the end of the end of the year stretch uh, to accomplish the goal of winning it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know what? That's an interesting analogy. And if you don't mind me saying here, I, I may run off here uh, talking about Aaron Rodgers, where he's going to go. You've heard Green Bay, obviously staying. You've heard Pittsburgh and you've heard Denver. To me, if the Steelers did it, um, yes. Oh, wow. You're getting Aaron Rodgers. And, but you're going to, they have $45 million to spend does Pittsburgh. Do you want to suck it all up on Aaron Rodgers? If, I'm thinking, hell no. I'm thinking you draft Pickett from Pitt, who will probably be there at 20. Take that money and your draft picks, reinforce that offensive line, and you're set to contend. Now, it's hard to contend with a rookie quarterback. They did with Roethlisberger his rookie year. They got to the AFC Championship game and lost to the subject we've been talking about, Tom Brady tonight. Could Pickett start for them, or they start a veteran, start picking as they, as they go, and how far did they get next year? Because their defense is pretty good. I know it gave up 41 against Kansas City. But, you know, when your offense isn't on the field and your defense is, your D is going to get wore out. If Pittsburgh can get a running game next year by solidifying the O-line, spending cheap on the quarterback, they can spend money elsewhere. In terms of Denver, they're ready. Aaron Rodgers, they get him. Oh, my gosh. The, the, what is it? The AFC West between the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chiefs. Oh, buckle up, San Diego. That'll be a fun division, fellas. Now, so reel on back into Super Bowl keys. I got another one. Uh, for me, it's going to be Cooper Cup and, and the choice concept, the choice routes, the concept routes, however you want to call it. Uh, those mean fairly similar things. Uh, coming in this year, 1,124 yards and eight TDs a season for Cooper Cup averaging. Flash forward to this year. 1,947 yards, 16 TDs, 
almost <laughs> doubling his production, uh, adding on 386 yards and four scores in this postseason. Um, no doubt that Matt Stafford, the addition, has helped Cooper Cup. Um, look, the Bengals, they're going to have to try and deny Cooper Cup getting into space. And we talked about it. They did it versus the Chiefs. They may drop eight back into coverage. The Bengals have done that an NFL leading 70 times this year. 70 times they've done it. So it's no it's no strange thing to Cincinnati. Drop eight, co- cover the receivers, force them to throw it in there, and try and turn it over. And it worked for them against Kansas City. So that's my next key is deny Cooper Cup space. Make someone else beat you. You know what, JJ? That just tells you two things. Cincinnati's D-line is a hell of a lot better than everybody says. And them corners can cover and so yep. can linebackers. It is hard to get to the quarterback sending three. It just is. The percentages are not good. But when you go five wide and you're you're going three and you can cover, you're eventually going to get the quarterback if you keep him in the pocket. If he gets out, and you know what, Matt Stafford, I mean, he's been waiting his whole career, stuck in Detroit yes. for 12 years. He's this generation's Archie Manning, except he did get to the playoffs three times with a lousy offensive line um, and, and no running game at all. Had some stars at receivers. We know Atlanta's, uh, you know, Georgia Tech's Calvin Johnson made the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, they could have won the game against Dallas. They did get robbed on a call that set the tone for the rest of the game. But this is really what Stafford's been working for. And I can tell you right now, if they do rush three and he's got a running game, sorry, it took me to get to it. He's going to take off and run because he damn well did it against San Francisco. And he will do it this Super Bowl. A lot on the line for the Rams. You mentioned Calvin Johnson. We'll make a Calvin Johnson, Sean McVay connection. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, yes. Folks. All the way back, high school football days in Georgia, Sean McVay beats out Calvin Johnson for high school football player of the year in the state of Georgia. Folks, that's not a key, but that's a fun little fact. And my final key is a key number here. It's 34. That is the number of fourth quarter comebacks Matthew Stafford has had in his NFL career. It's fifth best. It's fifth in NFL history. If the game's close, or the Rams have it in the final possession of the game, I fully expect expect Max Stafford to be as clutch as he has been, whether it's with the separated shoulder with the Lions, or it's going to be with this great, great offensive line led by Andrew Whitworth. I think Stafford's key, coming back, cool, calm, collected, and that may again have given away my pick, but that's another key, is Stafford in the fourth quarter. He's a former Bengal, so that's interesting. And and second thing of all, Matt Stafford better have a, have a lot of comebacks playing with the Lions because they're always behind in the fourth quarter. <laughs> well, guys, any final thoughts on the, the the keys to the game, right quick? Wayne, you want to get in on this? Um, no, it's just going to be the turnovers. You know what? He's so right, though. Yes. You know what? To me, that's going to decide it. That really is. Um, that is something that's going to be huge. All and every game turnovers decides it. It just seems it's glorified the bigger the game it is. And 
you know, Matt Stafford, he can go through games without turning the ball over, and he looks just incredible. Some games when he turns it over, he looks at ordinary, and that's any quarterback in the NFL. It's just not Matt Stafford. But I, I tell you what, he's been through a lot. It'd be a hell of a story if he won it. You know, his wife had the surgery, the brain surgery and all that. I mean, these folks have been through a whole lot. And, and it, 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 you know, the former UGA quarterback was the last one to beat Alabama before uh, before the mailman did in the national championship game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. One play, one pass, lights out is the name in Georgia history, folks. Let's move on. A little Major League Baseball topic. Braves first brace for first braceman. First baseman, Freddie Freeman, fan favorite, could be in pinstripes next season. Do you think the Braves re-sign him or does he go to New York or the field? Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, I knew you were gonna come to me with this first. <laughs> think he plays for the Yankees, but then again, I didn't think Brian McCann would. I didn't think Tom Glavin would go play for the Mets, and I didn't think Jeff Rancor would would end up going to play. He played for the Mets, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I don't see Freddie Freeman in New York. If he leaves, I see him in Los Angeles playing for the Dodgers or the Angels or the Padres. I, hell, I could even see him play for any of the California franchises. I could see him playing for the Giants. Uh, I can't see him playing for the A's because they don't they they don't spend the money. So one of those four teams, but man, I, nobody knows anything. Nobody really knows. Um, could he could he come back here and play? He could, but I'll tell you what, with Atlanta and their history, they have a number, and if he goes over it, forget it. He won't be here. At this point, I'm leaning towards Freddie Freeman will not be a Brave. I, I just, that's where I'm leaning. I'm As a fan, I'm setting myself up for failure. But honestly, no. To come, come to you guys talking, um, and again, if you like these videos, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But really quick, back to Freddie Freeman. He's a fan favorite, um, but I'm leaning towards that, that he won't be a Brave. I, I'd say it's 50-50 at this point. Manager Brian Snicker said it's a possibility that he could not be re-signed. And he also said he would feel worse if it was a normal offseason. So that kind of throws it back and forth. He's not really stressing because we are currently in a MLB lockout if you're Brian Snicker. Um, so no one can really expect anything right now. But if, Freddie, if Freeman does leave prior to the lockout, the Braves did discuss a trade with the Oakland A's that would bring Matt Olson, local Georgia, Georgia native, Parkview High School kid, um, that that could land the uh, the slugger here in Atlanta. He's a left-handed power hitter, 39 home runs, 134 OPS plus over the last uh, six-plus seasons. Um, but again, that's down the road. Those are just preliminary talks. We are in a lockout. It's 50-50 if Freeman stays or goes. Wayne, any final thoughts on uh, Freddie Freeman or the show real quick? Yeah, well, I think Freddie Freeman will probably end up in New York. And I say that because uh, being a Texas Rangers fan, New York always seems to get the players that they want from the teams that you love best. So Atlanta fans, welcome to the I Can't Stand New York Club. <laughs> yeah, I just, golly, I mentioned earlier, 
I didn't see Brian McCann playing. I didn't see Tom Glavin. You might be right. He might go play for the Yankees, but I don't know. His family and all that, I just can't see him in New York. I mean, he, yes, he can go live in Westchester County, but and this and that. But, man, I just don't see him raising his kids in that environment. Time will tell. And You're let's right. get in to the nitty-gritty. It's the final pick six. Final countdown. Should we get some Europe queued up? Guys, I have somehow falconed like a nine-game lead to you gentlemen. 52-64-2. I was 1-5 the last time we picked these things. TC, you have moved into second at 49-67-2. And and Wayne, you're coming in the rear at 48-68-2. But we all have a chance to pull away with an outright win. Period. Are we going to do seven this week? Are we going to do seven or six? six. So we're going to do six, but off air we'll predict the score and we'll have we we'll do one. Eight. You don't mind? I think we should do seven. It's a Super Bowl. I I only put six on the rundown. I, I don't really know of another prop bet other than we I can do the score. Way. We can just do, do the coin toss. You want to do the final score? Yeah, just the closest to the final score will be the tiebreaker, and we'll have some fun with it. We'll just say our picks on air. Uh, like I'll go ahead and write down my score now. Uh, let's go. Uh, there it is. Go ahead and do your picks first. All right. I'm going to go ahead. Rams-Bengals is the Super Bowl matchup. The Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Remember, we do go by Monday spreads from Caesar Sportsbook. I'll go first since you guys want to catch me. Rams cover. Rams cover. Rams cover. Nice and easy. It's four and a half. I thought it was seven at one point. It got bet down. Uh, it started out at five. I went, I believe it's fluctuated between four and four and a half and five the last week. We got it at four and a half. Four in the hook. I'm taking the Rams to win by a touchdown. Give me the Bengals. I don't give a damn what you were doing. I got Cincinnati not only cover, but I think they're going to win it because of the turnovers. Sorry, Wayne. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm taking uh, the Bengals as well. Who that going to beat them Bengals? Nobody. All right, folks. The over-under in that game's 48 and the hook as well. I'm going over. I think this is going to be a pretty offensive-minded uh, game. Uh, two offensive-minded coaches, uh, and we got great receivers, uh, good cornerbacks, good safeties, Eli Apple over top on, on Cincinnati, Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase, offense all over the field, good defenses. I think it's going to be an over. I think it's going to be a lot of points on the board. I won't give my score yet, but I did write it down. Over 48 and a half, too, too much offensive power from both teams. 48 and a half? Is that what it is? And a half. Yep. Ooh, 48 and a half. Wow, that is super duper close for me. I mean, you got to figure if it goes 25-24, it slightly goes over. Oh, man, you said over. You know I'm what? going over. Man, you know what? What was the final score of the Bengals-Kansas City game? 
Yep, that would have gone over. That's going to go barely over. They're going to come bigger. Dwayne, what you got? Well, I'm going to go uh, under. you damn right. He's down by four. Dwayne <laughs> <laughs> going under 48 in the hook. I like it. I like it. All right, guys, I'm going on the next bet. We are doing over-under touchdown passes for Joe Burrow. Remember, we're going numbers uh, from Monday's over-unders. One and a half for Joe Burrow. I am going over one and a half for Joe Burrow on touchdown passes. I think he'll throw at least two. Good God. That's over. Over. There we go. Yeah, well, I'm picking over. I'm picking over. Yeah. Over 1.5 for Joe Burrow. All righty. All righty. I'm going over two and a half touchdown passes for Matt Stafford. That's the next bet. Two and a half. Over, under, touchdown passes for Matt Stafford. I, again, am going over two and a half. I think we'll have three. Yeah. Well, Todd, what do you think? No, no, go ahead, Wayne. You you already got your mind made up. Yeah, I'm going under on that one. Which under. This, this, this may actually lead to um, my final score also. This, this could be it. Todd, what you got? Man, this one is tight you know the Bengals start off so slow if Stafford gets two right away I'm gonna freak out but if he doesn't get it right away I'm not gonna freak out at all so two and a half that means oh my goodness three how many did Mahomes throw last week three I believe he threw three and they were all in the first half right that he just made my point um, man, I'll, I I gotta say, damn it, I gotta say over, over. Ooh, I I thought you were gonna go lean on the under. Well, All right, I got. You know what? Next. I got to. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. What? A, I may come back and change my mind. Let's see how the next two go. All right, more more receiving yards. Uh, excuse me. We'll go. That one's last. More passing yards. Joe Burrow, right. Matthew Stafford. I'm going Stafford. I think the Rams are going to have to have a lot of offense, a lot of running the ball from, from Akers, a lot of passing from Stafford. Got to have a lot of offense, 450 total yards plus. I think that's going to be about 300 for Matt Stafford in the air, and that will beat Joe Burrow's 299. Oh, get out of here. I got Joe Burrow. That, 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 I think Joe Burrow will throw more yards. Burrow. I've got Stafford throwing uh, more yards, but, again, more interceptions. Ooh, ooh, might maybe a preview there. All right, so we've done we've done the passing yards, the passing TDs yeah. for Burrow and Stafford. Let's go to the receivers here. Who has more receiving yards, and it's only two, is Jamar Chase versus Cooper Cup. I'm going who I think is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. Cooper Cup's going to have more passing yards. You mean more, me, more receiving yards? More receiving yards. Excuse Chase, me. Chase, give me Chase. So how many are we different now? Three? We're different on every single one of them, Todd. No, we're not. And you aren't different on all of them. Just about. Uh, well, no. We're, we're, we're even on. Let's see. We got three overs. You got Burrow. I got Stafford. You got Chase. I got Cup. And I got the Rams. So we're different on three. Yeah, that means I can tie you right now. Yeah. 
Well, if I'm going. I'm, goes right. And then the tiebreaker is the score. So my score I'm, is 37 to 30. And and Wayne, who who did you say, Chase or Cup? I'm going with Chase because I think Cup's going to get covered and shut down. All right. Now let's go score. I'm going 37 30. Wow. You're going 37 30? Wow. It's for I'm, fun, guys. I'm going. <laughs> 28-24. Shooter. Now 27-24. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. What I say? It's got to be 50. It's got to be over. I'll go 30-27. Shooter for the winning field goal. 30-27 Bengals. Just like in 2001 when Benetieri did it against the Rams for New England. 30-27. Wayne, what, what say you, buddy? Well, I'm going with the final score, Bengals to win, 28-21, no more field goals. <laughs> I got 30-27 with a field goal so appropriate. So we're, we're different on four. So I'm going to have to stay with the one that I fretted the most. What was that one I fretted the most on? It was um, the two and a half. The over, over, over on Stafford. You went with the over on Stafford. Yeah because it's 30 to 27 that'll fit my score so i believe i will catch you and win it all it. i will be crowned the champion well folks that wraps up our pick six uh any closing thoughts comments on the show i'll go quick one it's the nba trade deadline had some fireworks to close out the brooklyn nets and the philadelphia 76ers agreed to a blockbuster trade just hours before thursday's deadline with james harden and paul Millsap going to philadelphia and Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, and two first-round draft picks are heading to Brooklyn. That closes me out. Todd, Wayne, what are your final thoughts on the show? Wayne, this one hits right in your heart. I'm going right with it. Brian Harson and the Auburn situation, as you know, 20 players have left the program, five coaches. One of them was Mike Bobo. The second offensive coordinator they hired, he left too. There are claims that um, that he's too hard to coach and play under, that he is just too difficult. And and now that Auburn has kind of put a clause in, they, they may get rid of him, they may not. He went to the Southeastern Conference coaches meetings today after he came back from vacation. He didn't take any questions from the media. Um, you know, he's a highly successful coach coming over from Boise State, did a heck of a job there, came over here to the Southeast, which is another animal. Anything in the SEC is another animal except for Vanderbilt. But um, um, you didn't take any questions. The media is going to be all over him. I don't know if his lawyers are telling him not to comment, but I think setting down with the media and answering these questions may take some of the spotlight off him and the pressure off him and just sitting it down and getting over with get it over with may take the air out of the bubble and keep the situation from being even more uncomfortable because we all know Auburn and their history of coaches. Wayne, your thoughts on that? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the last time a coach was relieved from head coaching duties for being too hard uh, to coach under or too hard on the players was when Bobby Knight uh, left the Army. And 
he had great success afterwards. So being a tough coach is not such a bad thing. And the SEC is full of a bunch of snakes, and they're called boosters and alumni. And they, they're wrecking that entire conference. I mean, what, they, did it, what, they did it at the Tennessee first. Now they're doing it to Auburn. You know, it's interesting because this will be this gentleman's only second year. You're paying him all this money, which means, J.J., you texted me earlier today. How many of those coaches are they going to pay if they let Harson go? So, four. I'd be, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, but it's Tupperville, Shizik, uh, Malzahn, and it would be Harson. They would still be on the hook for if he was not fired with cause. And that that could be, well, time will tell when this thing gets published, folks. This story could have changed. Incredible. But uh, it's moving fast and furious, folks. No show this Friday. Uh, we'll catch you next Friday live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports or dial in at 347-205-9631. Again, not this Friday, maybe next. For Wayne in Memphis, for TC outside of the Gotham City, go ahead and call Batman for me. I'm JJ. This is been Hang ATL Prime Sports. Go ahead. I'm down in now. Hello, Batman. <laughs> there? No, nope, he's not there. Sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll have a guest for you next Friday on Blog Talk Radio at 4 p.m. live Eastern Standard Time. Ciao. Yeah, guys. For Wayne, for Todd, I'm JJ. See you guys next week. Get your watch.